you know, we are just recently we came out from our new um, from our winter retreat, and and I was thinking back how it was last year when we came out from the retreat, and the pandemic had just started two three months earlier, and you know how much has changed since then, and how. I mean, even I think over 3 million people died, which is a lot of people who died. But still, you know, how we have been adapting in, in so many different ways and and we were forced to adapt and we did it. So that, you know, the capacity to adapt to challenges, which we all have. And, and uh, I think the pandemic brought it home that we, we, we can do this, we can adapt and we can find new ways of doing things and or not doing things. For example, in a meeting in this way, we haven't done that earlier. And there's so many changes which we have been uh, coming up with because we had to. And, uh, you know, if we could use our capacity for this, for adaption and for change, for going in the right direction, you know, to to actually deal with those underlying reasons why things like a pandemic like this has happened in the first place, because of our you know inter interventions which are completely misguided and out of uh, ignorance, really not really knowing what we are setting loose with the ways how we are living and acting. And, uh, you know, using that capacity for radical change for, for our inner work, really, and uh, integrating the fact that we are not separate because the pandemic shows us that very, very clearly, you know, that we are not separate from each other and from the planet, from the whole cosmos, really. And to use that experience of the pandemic, not only as an emergency, but also as a teaching, because I think that's what is underlying that whole pandemic is it's a, it's a teaching to us about interconnectedness and non-separation. And it's just coming to us in, in a way, you know, which is very, un, we don't like it, but I think it's a very powerful teaching. And, uh, you know, as we are moving in a new era where we are more and more becoming aware of being a, a global, it's a global operation, really. Not just, you know, me and my little circle of what I choose, but that we are so deeply interconnected and, and how we can bring that into our lives, really. We have it in many ways already through the internet, for example. It's a very good illustration of that. But how to really bring it more into our own experience. I think this is where the teaching of the Buddha can really help us to, to integrate that. And uh, because everything or so many things, you know, are telling us about this, this truth. If we have the ears to hear it and the eyes to see it. And, uh, you know, this organic intelligence, which is really, this is, a li this is life itself, I think, you know, coming always up with, with solutions to teach us. 
and we would need to remove all of those layers of um, conditioning in order to be able to really hear it and really see it. Those, you know, emotional and cognitive layers of ignorance, which are there, you know, to be transformed. And uh, I've looked it up, you know, when for the first time human beings have been seeing the planet from outer space, you know, as a whole being in space. And this was 1968 was the first time that an image was made by a human being of the, of the planet, by an astronaut. And, uh, you know, what a milestone that was for us to see those photos. And also we've heard, you know, the reports of the astronauts, how deeply touched they were when they saw that from outer space. And that was actually more than just a scientific mm. experience. Mm. It was a deeply spiritual experience for them too. You know, that seeing it with your own eyes, that is really true. It's, it's a being. And, uh, and I think, you know, since 1968, we have become aware of lots of challenges. We haven't been so clearly aware before, you know, as a, as a global society. For example, climate change, you know, that wasn't much spoken about at that time. And it's now in everybody's mouth and on every paper and all over the internet. And racism has a lot of speaking about racism at the moment because it, it comes more and more into consciousness that this is actually based on nothing really it's just a mind construct the same with like nation states and all of that you know they, are, they don't really exist they do have some some benefit you know in organizing big groups of people but in reality they don't exist and, you know, becoming more aware of, uh, you know, what, what addiction, depression, uh, anxiety, all of those things, you know, how it's a pandemic as well, you know, which permeates global society more and more and seems to come, you know, hand in hand with, um, with consumerism. And... You know, all of those um, things we, we, we have become more aware in about the last 50 years, you know, through the internet, I suppose, and also through, you know, evolving as, as, as human beings and, and uh, starting to think more in this global way. And I think, you know, seeing the repercussions of materialism and consumerism and starting to understand, you know, how that is all connected more and more. You know, the only real answer for it is to really, um, you know, clear out some of those um, layers of conditioning in order to be able, you know, what to, what to do about all of this, how to come, you know, evolve to the next level of uh, being a human being on this planet, 
if we want to kind of continue being here, we need to evolve. There's no other, there's no other way really. If we continue like this, we're gonna wipe ourselves off and we take a lot of other life forms with us as well. So, you know, that was coming to my mind by seeing, you know, what we were able to do within a year. If we can do that, we can do much more than that. And uh, so the evolutionary dictate is to evolve and to, you know, to a more holistic way of being and uh, it'll become whole which is connected with the word holy, you know, to become holy, to heal, to heal from that kind of dream of separation. And to, in a Buddhist way is, you know, to realize emptiness, you know, to realize anatta really. So there is, there are practices there and it's, it's one of the central concepts of the teaching is emptiness and, you know, in the Mahayana and the, anatta or not self in Theravada teaching. And, uh, you know, when I intuited that for the first time, I, I still remember I was a, a teenager about 14 or 15 years old and I was on a, on a safari with my parents in Kenya. And uh, we were like in a minibus and, and our car had, had a, there was something with one of the tires, I, I think, and we we were, you know, having to stop somewhere in a in a village, and uh, and the you know in, in the middle of nowhere in the in some national park, and um, <laughs> and I remember, you know, the 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 kind of relationship between the people there were there was just one tree and there were a few people sitting under that tree there's these acacias they looked like umbrellas and they're very beautiful trees sitting there in the shade and we were in the minibus and uh, and I looked out you know and, and I just felt this um, huge gap between us tourists in the minibus and the people there you know who were just able to live in, in such a, was very dry and hot. And, but I felt like they were one with nature and we were just like a, a completely artificial thing in this box, you know, or driving around <laughs> and looking at animals. And I felt <laughs> deeply embarrassed. I remember it, you know. And I just thought, I just got, got, rather gonna stay here. I don't, I, I don't wanna be with those people in, the, in that, box you know <laughs> and then afterwards that has a very deep impact on my life then I came back and I started and, and then I, I made a complete career change already with 15 because I was destined to go to hotel management school because I come from a fam family with a, a little hotel and so then I said, I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to finish the school, but then I want to study cultural anthropology because I felt, you know, that will give me some information about what those people had, with which I intuited and I couldn't put it into words. And then went to, you know, university and didn't find the answer there either, but that was the next step, you know, and then, 
ended up in this, actually, <laughs> because I was very determined <laughs> to find the answer. And if one is really determined to find the answer, one can find it, you know. Life will carry you because this life force, this organic intelligence, it wants to be realized, you know. And, uh, yeah. And then later on, uh, later in my life, maybe like about 15 years later, I lived for a year with fisher people on an island in the south of Thailand, near the Malaysian border. And, and that island was just on the brink of being uh, found out, you know, as a tourist paradise. And I was just there at that time when it started to, to shift. And it was quite heartbreaking, really. You know, because, of course, they all wanted all of those things, the motorbikes and the um, walkmans we had at that time. And, and, and all of those things, of course, they wanted to have that too. And I felt, you know, I was already kind of a bit over those things because I've had them all. And I knew from experience that they don't bring you happiness, you know. Yeah, and then a few years later, there was the tsunami and the, and the island got completely wiped. Everything got wiped off. And I suppose by now it's taken over by huge resorts and hotels again. So, yeah. So, what I, but what I intuited at that time, you know, when I was a teenager in, in Africa was that they had a connection to the land which we had lost because of, you know, training ourselves to, to think rational and to um, be objective, which is, of course, impossible because we are always part of the equation. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, you know, we can't go back, but we need to go forward and go beyond into the next level of of what's possible, you know, and that is to understand ourselves as a global family, not only the human beings, but everything, you know, the trees and the animals and the water and everything, because that's how it is. And I think through removing those layers, those cognitive and emotional layers, we can actually understand that through cleaning out a lot of stuff. And, I, you know, and if you look out on the marketplace or look in the internet, that there is, you know, people all have a kind of an inkling, you know, because there's so much talking about organic food and diets, you know, and, and different therapies and holistic this and holistic that and life coaches and mindfulness movement and there's you know there is it's already all out there but it is not it's exploited for business of course you know because people tend to think very short if they are under the influence of ignorance very short-term thinking but there is an inkling that about becoming whole and about healing but it needs to be much more radical than just going to the spa, you know, and having a therapy with having some stones being put on your chakras or things like that. <laughs> it's, it's a nice thing, you know, but it is just 
not enough. And then, you know, in the Buddhist teaching, we have some very radical meditations, which can help us to, to realize that truth. And for example, the first foundation of mindfulness, there's the meditation on the elements. And that's what I'd like to share with you today. You know, with, which is also considered an antidote to ill will, actually, interestingly enough. An antidote to anger and ill will. And I, you know, if we look how we are treating the planet, it looks like we don't like it, you know. It looks like we're fighting it. And, and that's, I thought that was very telling, you know, that it's considered an antidote to anger. And, uh, you know, those people I saw when I was a teenager, the indigenous people at that time in Africa, you know, and we also, we are also indigenous of this planet. We always have been, but we have, we have forgotten it, you know, because we, we were thinking we are something better than that. We are scientific thinking, rational thinking, objective thinking beings, but we are not because we can never not be in the chance of this planet. This is impossible. And there's a lot actually we can learn, you know, from, from indigenous people and, and many people are waking up to that truth. But then there's so much karma has been made, you know, with the original owner of these lands here. So it's a very, very messy, messy, super messy situation we are in. And, uh, you know, what we get for it is that we are living that completely in our heads and, and the younger generation in the heads and on the screens, really, and becoming more and more un incapable of relating to nature and... Uh, you know, relating to other people. There's a lot of fear of, of taking action and of doing things. And uh, very ungrounded and very ignorant of the most basic things. And that's, it looks like very a dangerous situation really because people who are not really grounded they can't make decision good decisions and uh, so it's really important to get grounded in the body and bring that into our daily lives because that's how it all where it all starts to open up you know if we really are grounded in our own body and noticing what's going on because if we are not grounded, if we're living in our head and living on the screens, we don't know what's really going on. And then we live completely um, disconnected. And the Buddha really knew about that and has left us these practices. And... Uh, this, this uh, element meditation is a, is a very good medicine for our times, I feel. And um, 
there's this very beautiful saying, and it comes from the Vajrayana, and it's saying, our illusory body is a riding animal or a mount animal, which we borrow from the elements for a while, make good use, and when need be, we give it back. So if we can understand the body as that is a riding animal for the for consciousness, to be able to know to act in the world and then when it's time to give it back, we give it back and then the elements form another body. And uh, and that brings home this concept of anatta of not self or emptiness which is not a nothingness, but it's a denial of a permanent entity. So that our bodies are processes. And because, you know, our language uses a lot of nouns, that notion of the process nature of phenomena gets easily lost. And there is a beautiful um, quote from the Samyutta Nikaya. It's a bhikkhuni. Her name is Vachira. And she is challenged by Mara in this in this short sutta. And uh, she answers to Mara. And she says, just as with an assemblage of parts, the word chariot is used. So when the aggregates exist, the five aggregates, the five khandas, there is the convention, a being. It's only Dukkha that comes to be. Dukkha that stands and falls away. Nothing but Dukkha comes to be. Nothing but Dukkha ceases. So that I'm sure you've heard about the simile of the chariot, that, you know, that this body is just like that. Or like a riding animal you know, which we can use for some time. And if we take good care of it, it's going to be usable. And then when the time comes, we give it back. And if we have a relationship like that, you know, to our bodies, that's it's very freeing, really. And the, and the elements meditation helps us to, to shift the identity, you know, from the body as being a personal something to a much more universal global way of looking at it. This body, you know, is a temporary coming together of the elements and it's in a constant flux. You know, and we put in elements which come from far, far away and then we let them go again and they go far, far away. Getting recycled again and again. And I think if we can consider that, you know, that mysterious process that is, something starts to um, communicate to us, you know, this, uh, the mystery of this whole process. And, uh, you know, I, I find that very uplifting and I find it very inspiring to consider my body in this way. And at the same time, I feel 
much, you know, connected to something much bigger than myself. And, you know, when that is realized deeper and deeper, that leads to a letting go of grasping. Because that, you know, that grasping is, is a reflex which stems from fear. And if we consider ourselves to be a separate entity in a hostile universe, of course, we experience fear. But if we realize you know, that we are part of something much greater than ourselves, then a relaxation starts to set in. You know, that's actually originally the function of religion because the word religion comes from the word ligare, to bind or to connect, it means actually to reconnect, to rebind ourselves to something much vaster than ourselves. In order, you know, to support letting go of grasping. Because we don't need to grasp, because we are already part of something much bigger, which is in a constant flux and flow. And grasping can only lead to dukkha. So, you know, this, this uh, guided meditation on the elements, which I want to share with you, is, uh, is like a medicine. And uh, because this actual experience leads to non-clinging. And uh, it's prescriptive, not descriptive. So it's like a, a prescription from a doctor. You know, we have to really act accordingly, then we'll have the benefits. It's not something we can read in a book. It's something we have to really, you know, bring into our own experience. And that meditation is, um, you know, designed in that way to have this direct experience of the truth of the way things truly are so that this artificial notion of internal and external falls away. And we start to realize, no, you know, what I once considered to be external of myself is actually part of me. And then once that is realized, number one is, you know, there is a, a sense of caring, a natural sense of caring starts to become more tangible. And then also, uh, a sense of connectedness which leads to uh, more feeling at home here, you know. Because the way how we live, we live like, you know, some very um, robustious teenagers, you know, who, who trash the place completely and have no sense of responsibility or connection because they haven't yet like evolved to that sense of, of belonging. And I think as, as a race, you know, or as a species rather, we are in, a, in that immature teenage years, you know, because we are not here for a long time. We are just the homo sapiens here for like 250,000 years compared, you know, with the lizards and the trees and the rocks. We are just absolute babies, really. And the ways how we conduct ourselves are, are you know, showing that too. 
So, you know, to use that uh, meditation can help us to speed up a little bit with our maturity because it shows us very clearly where we come from and who we are. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.